0: Let's pray together. Lord God, you are here, and you've made your love known to us so that, that we have this joy in our hearts, the, the joy knowing that you, you did everything possible. You did, there was no price too great to pay in order to communicate your love to us, so that we could be bound together in this love as a community, so that we could be motivated and driven by love in this world instead of fear, and so that we could put you at the front of everything in our life. Because we know that you are the source of love, you are the source of life, and you would chase us down, and you would do anything just to reach us with your love. That the stars in the sky are there just to communicate your love to us, just to to pronounce and proclaim how much you love us is is almost too much for us to comprehend. So God, may we celebrate this love and recognize that it's an embrace that you seek us to receive, that you want us to, to experience. It's a gentle embrace, and as you do that, you speak words into our soul that are designed to shape us in your image so that we can, we can extend that love to others, so that we can recognize that there are people in this world that don't know that they're loved, and we can be your hands and feet to this world, and so we praise you for what you're doing, God, what you're doing right now, and we praise you and pray this in Jesus' holy name, and all God's people said, amen. Please have a seat, and good morning, and Matt. Matt, you're my new f- best friend. I love the way you shred on those drums. Thank you very much, that is, that is amazing. So we are here at the end of the beginnings series. And one thing that we have talked about over and over again is that the beginning is always the end of something. So usually when you're beginning something, you're ending something else. And so now we have, we have I feel like we've been going on, getting ready for a big journey. Have you ever gone a really big trip? You know, and, and you start to pack your bag sometimes a month in advance, although I like to wait until the last hour because I realize that you pack the same stuff. doesn't matter. But we've been putting in all the little last-minute items. We've got to make sure, do we have just the right number of underwear? We've got to make sure that everything's in that bag and it, 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 we can kind of, kind of tend to get overwhelmed with all the details of the trip. If you're going on a big trip, like our two, brothers, two sisters, uh, Rosemary and Katie, to Uganda, they have to go and get their uh, yellow fever vaccine or something like that in Santa Barbara. They have lots of details to get ready for a big trip to a really faraway place. But if you're going to any place, you, you've got all these things that are in order, and they can tend to overwhelm your mind, and you can think that things are so important, but actually the most important thing is what? It's the ticket, and the passport, by the way, if you're going to Uganda, <laughs> But it's a ticket. A lot of people tend to to major in the minors and minor in the majors. And what we're talking about today is if you have been going through this beginning series and you feel like, hey, you know what? All this information is starting to overwhelm me in my mind. We are going to get back to the basics today. And the biggest question that we're answering is a question that that the people who were The questioners of Jesus The scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees These very educated human beings They were asking questions of Jesus And they asked him this question They said, what is the main thing? What's the main thing? And so what I want you to ask yourself I want you to have just a moment right now To think about What is the main thing in your life? As if you were packing on a journey What's the main thing if you're going on the journey? You need the ticket You need the transportation You need the car You need the gas You gotta get there That's the main thing Because you know they have a target wherever you're going. You can buy all the rest of the stuff, right? But the main thing is, can you get there? Can you get there? And do you have the mechanism to get there? And so I want to ask you what the main thing is in your life and, and help you to acknowledge that this struggle is not a new struggle. That a lot of times people in the world have struggled to identify what the most important thing is. A lot of people have done this. In fact, it's a question that's been asked for thousands and thousands of years. The Pharisees asked Jesus this question. They would ask him and ask him and ask him. What we're looking at today is a scripture where the Pharisees just asked Jesus, like imagine, you ever had that question at a dinner table where someone says, if you were, if God was right in front of you, and and, which God always is, but if you could ask God a question, you could audibly hear the answer, what question would it be? Well, these people have Jesus Christ right in front of them, and these are the questions they ask. The first question is, Jesus, uh, tell us about the theology of taxes. Really? Is that the question you're asking Jesus? And that was kind of Jesus' response. Really? <laughs> good, good old Seinfeld really can fix everything. Really? Uh, and then the other, the other uh, question that they asked him was okay, so what if a guy gets married to a woman and then he dies, and then his brother gets married to the woman and, then, and, and, and he dies, and then another brother and another brother, and we're like, that's weird anyway. Okay, but there's your question. Their, their big question was who will be the one that is married to her in heaven? Can you just say it with me? Really? That's, that's what this should say on the shirt. Really? And those were the questions that were legit asking Jesus, in, in, and it's recorded in the gospel of Mark. And then this person asks the best question you can ever ask. Yes, Jesus, what's the main thing? It's Mark chapter 12, verse 28. It says these words. Wrong sermon. <laughs> there we go. One of the legal experts heard their dispute and saw how well Jesus answered them. And he came over and he asked him, which commandment is the greatest or the most important of all? And Jesus replied, the most important one is, and then he quotes these words from Scripture, Israel, listen. Or hear, O Israel, you might be more familiar with. Israel, Listen. Our God is the one Lord. Now, this is important. You cannot skip over this very important first bit of Jesus' words because he's actually making sure that you understand the key to this is is knowing that there is one God. Not many gods. Not lots of gods. First, you have this foundational understanding that there is one God. Now, we know that God to be Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Three in one. Just one God. And so Jesus says there's one God, and then he says these words. And you must love the Lord your God, this one God, with all of your heart. Now everybody put your hand on your heart, okay? And with all of your being, now the word that they would have used is soul or nephesh, so you can put your hand on your neck, because apparently they realized that once your neck is gone, you're gone. So they're like, that's your soul, that's your soul. You can get rid of an ear, you can get, even probably get a ch- change in your heart. But once this thing's gone, hard, hard stuff. So this is your being, and then all of your mind, you can put your hand up here on your mind, and all of your strength, and let's just be cliched and just go like that, right? And all of your strength. Yeah, Jesus says that's, that's the key. You gotta love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your nefesh, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second, because he says it's not just that. You have to hear the whole thing. And the second is this. You will. It's not you may may be, or you might, or you could. Now, that's why they call this the great commandment from Jesus. It's not like, hey, you know, if you feel like it, you can do this. Mm -mm, That's not what he's saying. He says, you will. You will. You will love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater. I'm sure a lot of people were listening to this, and they were like, yeah, but what about the one about coveting the, the neighbor's donkey? I mean, surely that could have been greater than that, right? Can you hear all of the arguments of people saying, come on, we really need to know the meat. What's most important here, Jesus? Well, Jesus was actually not throwing away all of the Ten Commandments. He wasn't throwing away all of the law and all of the prophets. The scripture actually says in another part of the Bible, it says, and Jesus said, that it's like all of the law and the prophets hang from these two threads. Imagine that there's a big picture frame that holds all of the law and all of the all of the scripture and all of the prophets, right? And each one, it's a 100-pound picture. Each thread can only hold 50 pounds. So what happens if you cut one of them? All comes tumbling down. He says they're not exclusive. You can't have love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and forget your neighbor. And you can't have love your neighbor and forget God. They're one and the same. This is the greatest commandment. And then the legal expert says to Jesus, he says, well said, teacher. I know, isn't that a little condescending to Jesus, right? Like, good job, Jesus, you know? (laughs) You're very smart, Jesus. Uh, So well said, teacher, rabbi. You have truthfully said that God is one and there is no other besides him. And to love God with all of the heart A full understanding in all of one's strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more important than all kinds of entirely burnt offerings and sacrifices. Meaning you could give your whole bank account to Jesus. You could give all your time to to, to God. You could do everything. But if you're not giving love, if you're not giving love to God, if you're not loving God, if you're not loving your neighbor, then forget it. It's all the other stuff that we get distracted with that we think is important for the journey. But there's only one main thing love. Then Jesus says that he had answered with wisdom. He said to him, you aren't far from God's kingdom. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You see, what is the main thing is a huge question that we need to answer. And it's essential that we answer it knowing this is the shape all of our answers should take. They should all be shaped by love. You know, at the time of Jesus, they had taken not just the 12 12 commandments, uh, and they had not, 10 commandments, sorry, just checking. They had not just taken the 10 commandments. You're like, all right, this pastor didn't know what you're talking about. I'm out of here, sorry. (laughs) 12 disciples, 10 commandments. Anyway, so (laughs) they took the 10 commandments, and then they expanded it to 600 laws. They had to follow all 600 of them, and they were all so important, and every single one, if you messed up on one of those laws, you didn't get it. But you know what they had forgotten? Love. Like, love had just been omitted from the equation. Like, they just stopped loving. And so then, I think that the most important thing that we need to hear from this, and the central idea is that we need to start everything that we do in our life with love. It needs to be shaped with love. It needs to be guided by love. So as we look at this journey ahead in the year, we need to make sure that that we're not we're not clouding it with a lot of other stuff, that we are being very clear and very particular about leading with love in every single way. The Bible says, you know, a lot of people like to speak truth in other people's lives. Do you know what I say to them? I say, don't speak truth into that life unless you're speaking truth with love. Just don't even do it. Speak truth with love. And people say, well... If I love this person, then I have to walk alongside them. I have to spend time with them. I have to get to know them, and I have to welcome them into my home, and I have to be open and honest about my brokenness and my life and how I'm wounded, and then I have to be, yeah, uh uh-huh. So I just recommend don't do it unless you're willing to love that person. Speak the truth in love. Everything about the Bible says you lead with love. Now, why do you lead with love? Uh, uh, 1 John 3.14, I think, is about there. It says... We love because God first, what? Loved us. That's why we love. Because we know that we're loved. And we're beginning a series this, kind of half of this week, but mostly next week on Super Bowl Sunday. Isn't that a great day to begin a new series? I just think, (laughs) but (laughs) it's called Loved, as you can tell. And we're going to talk about what it means when you live a life of love and how it, and when you live a life knowing that you are loved, you stop looking for love and being validated by love because the only love that matters is the love of god in your life. And so then this is this is kind of what I want you to understand there's this concept called a keystone habit. Do you know what a keystone is? Keystone like see this these see these rocks which one's the keystone? Uh, hint hint. It's the one at the top, the thread, okay? The reason why is if you take that keystone out what happens to the whole pile? It all falls down, right? And there's a lot of archways you'll see stone archways all over Europe, you'll, mostly in Europe, you'll see Crazy people building them here. But anyway, they're all held together by one little stone. And actually, whole entire buildings can, can, can lean on top of that. Uh, I see some engineers. Can I just get a little nod from my engineer people? I'm not getting any affirmation there. But anyway, the basic idea is that the keystone comes out, it all falls apart. Now, there's this guy named Charles Duhigg who wrote a book called The Power of Habit, right? And I've had it in my office for a long time. I've never read like Two chapters. But anyway, so the, the book is a good book. It's an interesting book, and he's helping people to try to kind of fix their lives, you know, kind of like what people were doing in the Old Testament, you know, in Jesus' day with the Old Testament. How to fix your life with all of these different tips and practices. Now, Charles Duhigg has this, has this concept called Keystone Habits that there's these things that we do in life that, that result and ripple out in the rest of our life, and they shape the rest of our life. And if we don't do, if, if we focus on the other little pieces, and we don't take care of the keystone thing, then the little pieces will continue to be a problem for us. So have you ever tried to kick an addiction or ever tried to give up something or tried to turn away from sin or something like that? And, and you just find that it's not working. Well, he would say, you know, you should, you, obsessing about this small thing is maybe not the best way to go. That you should probably start focusing on this other thing over here. And the result will be the other stuff will ripple forward. We've seen that here at Highlands, a lot of people having all of these, uh, what we call like uh, presenting problems or symptoms of, of, of what's going on in their life, but when you peel back the layers of the onion, you find out, man, that happened to you, and you needed to talk to someone about that, and we need to work through that, and then sure enough, other things change in their life. Now, Charles Duhigg thinks that there's some simple keystone habits that we can do to change our life. He says that one of the most important keystone habits is having dinner with your family, Having dinner with your family, and I'll tell you what he says in this book, in the, at least in the first two chapters. Um, this is what he says in this book. He says that according to research, by the way, when you hear research, take it with a grain of salt, okay? I'm just, just a heads up, because we'll point that out in a second. Uh, according to research, people who have the family gather around the dinner ta- table end up raising kids with better homework skills, higher grades, greater emotional control, and more confidence. Whoa, doesn't that sound like it's going to change your life entirely? And that is why I believe firmly that what this church and the whole world needs is a potluck this evening. Don't you agree? And the keystone of that potluck will be that bucket of Kentucky fried chicken that will, will almost have a halo over it, you know? With like, ah. It's like a sound like angels. When you, and when you crunch into it, like, oh, God is good, is what people will say. God's goodness will speak through the other dishes, and I do have a fear a little bit that there will be only Kentucky Fried Chicken at the table. But that's all right. That could be a that'd be a story to tell your grandkids. Um, This is another one he said is important. He says making your bed every morning is really important. He says making your bed in the morning increases your productivity, gives you an overall sense of well being, and better budgeting skills. Whoa, that's a (laughs) wow! I need to change that. That's amazing. Apparently, I'll stop buying Starbucks if I make my bed in the morning. Um, (laughs) Charles Duhigg, author of Habit, writes, bed makers are also more likely uh, to like their jobs, own a home, (laughs) wow, right, (laughs) exercise regularly, and feel well rested. And might I add, he didn't didn't throw in there, you'll just get rich, (laughs) he just might as well have thrown in there, and you'll be rich buy my book, right? (laughs) That's great. Fantastic. I actually think there might be other research I'd like to look into it. Uh, And also, I'll be the first uh, test subject. If I think your life would be much better if other people made your bed for you. Don't you think that would be a great, oh, my life is better. Everything's better. Yeah, because you're rich, you know? No, I don't know. So people make your bed for you. Okay, so you can get dizzy with all of the suggestions and tips that different people have on how to live your life the right way, and this is the way, and this is the path, and this is the thing. I liken it to packing for that journey, right? It's like we're packing for that journey, and, and then all of the little, little details start to crowd our mind, and we get overwhelmed with where we're going. We're getting dizzy. I love this picture of this guy. He's just like, this is, <laughs> oh, right? Just gets to be too much sometimes. What's, what is going on? The way that the Bible talks about sin is sin, the word sin actually means to miss the target. It just means miss. Imagine, I always thought it would be fun to have an archer come in here, like a, like a good archer, not a bad one, okay? <laughs> put, a, put, a, put a target over there on the back wall and have them come up here. And you know what would be not good is if that archer was a really bad archer, right? And just kind of like, eh, beep, and there'd be people hurt and wounded, the chaos, probably have to close the church for a little while or a long while there would be all of this there would be all this this chaos that would ensue with the with this archer that was pointed in the wrong direction this person shooting arrows well that's what the bible says sin is sin is when you're not just missing the target you're just really missing the target and do you know what um, do you know what repent means repent means to turn Repent means, I just imagine Jesus taking that archer and just going, okay, hold on a second, buddy. It's not over there. The target's over there. And just, okay, right there. Gentle gentle hands on the shoulder and lining someone up with the target. Now, they're not gonna make the target every time, but they're gonna end up in the general direction. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is, Jesus is the one who points us in the right, right direction. Actually, the early followers of Jesus were called the way. The way. Because they believed that they were the direction of love. They were the people who were, who were going in the direction of love with life. They had figured out the path. Jesus was the ticket. Jesus, Jesus was the ticket. He was the way or the path. He was the most important thing. And Jesus, when he talked to people, he said the most important thing is you love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, with everything you got, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that sometimes, some churches don't keep the focus. And then we stand a chance of not keeping the focus. Some churches say, you know what? The most important thing of this whole entire preparation for the journey is that you have a clean pair of underwear every single day. How many people say, no way, I don't need that? Okay, all right. There's a disagreement. Other people say, you only need one pair of jeans every three days or whatever you need. Other people just say, hey, I don't need anything. There's going to be a target where I'm going. And so we argue and we have disagreements about the minor things and some people think that the most important thing are the minor things that we argue about. But actually, the most important thing is the commandment of Jesus. to Love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The most important thing is the ticket. It's the way. And that's what we are joined together with. Now, will we have arguments? Yeah, we will. There was a guy 500 years ago. I don't know why I like to tell stories about guys 500 years ago. It's just a thing for me. His name was John Calvin. He was a Protestant reformer, and, uh, which means he started a Protestant uh, church in his town, and, and he was a theologian. He was a good thinker. And so he was living in France, and he was being persecuted as a Protestant. So he said the ideal community would be just a, a whole town filled with Protestants. I'm like, mm-mm, buddy, that sounds terrible, but whatever. So he, he said, life will be perfect if we just fill it with only Protestants, okay? And the whole law is shaped by Protestants, and all of the rules are shaped by Protestants. All the kids go to Protestant schools. All of the TV shows are Protestant. I don't know, whatever. But anyway, he wanted everything to be Protestant. Protestant cups of coffee, whatever it was, everything had to be Protestant, it had to be reformed. It had to be just, just informed. What does Protestant mean? Informed by the Bible only, right? So, so he did this. He created this community. They went off to Switzerland, founded this town, Geneva, in the mountains of Switzerland. It was this isolated community. No one could get to it. No one even knew where they were there. And so they started to live together. And do you think it was harmony? Do you think it was perfect? No. They started to argue with one another. They started to fight about the things that were so unimportant. And and they would fight and fight and fight. And you know what he realized? He said, "They're all Christians. All these people are Christ's followers, but they're just fighting with each other. It's not a joyful life." And he came up with this word called audiophora. Isn't that a great word? Audiophora. You know what it means? It means keep the main thing the main thing. It means focus on the essentials because the essential is what matters. There can be charity. We can have arguments about things. Half the, people, half the people in this world that have a certain perspective in life when they're older, I've noticed that they've had the other perspective when they were younger. Did you notice that? Actually, all the people. They all change. But throughout that whole journey, they're Christ followers, and they're having growth and transformation and joy. Does it mean that the minor things are not important? No, that's not what Jesus was saying. He just says, you have to make sure that you lead everything with love. that you hinge everything on those two things of love God with all your heart mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbors yourself now there are three questions that we ask people when they become a a new follower of Jesus at this church when they say hey you know what I want to follow or or they're coming from another church and say I want to follow Jesus here and the three questions are not the first question is not do you pack a pair of underwear every single day for your journey now it could be a very important question to ask at some point right but it's not the questions. I remember when I went to uh, travel abroad and I would come back to this country and I would enter customs. How many people have returned and entered customs in the United States after traveling abroad? A lot of people, right? Did you ever notice that there's like a little different line for citizens and non- non-citizens? Did you notice that? You're like, oh, it looks terrible. For the non-citizens, the line is like 900 miles long, you can't get in, and the citizens line is like reason past, right? Mm. We don't treat people very nice when they come to visit us in this country. I'll tell you that. The Bible says, "Treat immigrants as citizens." Did you know that? New Testament. But we're talking about underwear right now. We need to talk about the important stuff, okay? Talking about underwear because we can work those things out. Because how will all of the all of the things in our life change? Uh, They will. They will change with the big questions. Now, the three big questions when you go through customs are gotcha questions. They are. They look at you in the eye and they say, "So, how long did you spend abroad?" And you go, you should like, uh, 30 days, I think, you know? You know, if you answer this question wrong, they can just like, you know, strip you down and search you, you know, or something. I don't know what they can do. They can just, they can just incarcerate you for three days or however long, long you want. Cause it's like, I don't know, it feels like some kind of no man's land. They could do anything. And then there's the other one. Uh, they say, they say, are you the only one who's packed your bags? And you answer that question thinking, I think I was. <laughs> Like a lot of people touch this along the way, but if I say yes, I mean if you say no, they'll incarcerate you. If you say yes, and someone slid something in there, you're done, right? I, 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 can you tell I have a little problem with authority like that? Like I'm just a little scared. <laughs> like when I get pulled over by a cop, I say I'm like, hi, hey, okay. The, the, <laughs> I, and and the, I love the the third question is like, you know, it's like um, uh, there's actually a story about a guy from. I have to tell this. There's a guy from Barbados who tried to get into the United States and pretend he was a U.S. citizen, and they said. Um, they said, uh, you know, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? He's like, I'm from Texas. And they're like, all right, fine. You're from Texas. Good. And he says, all right, so will you say the alphabet for us? And I don't think you're going to get this joke, so just laugh as a courtesy, please. So then he starts, he says, I'll say the alphabet A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. He's doing well. They're like, uh huh, you are from Texas. H, X, Y, Z. And they're like, you're not from Texas. You're from Barbados. Go back. <laughs> Nobody says Z in Texas. That's an English thing. Anyway, I told you you wouldn't get it. Anyway. That's how they say the alphabet. Okay, these are not gotcha questions at Highlands. The first question is simple. Do you promise to turn away from evil? That you don't want to have anything to do with it? That yeah, you know that evil will be a part of your life forever, it's a condition of living in this world, but that you, when you engage in it, you will say, no, I don't want that to be a part of my life. The second question is, do you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the ticket? That it's not just enough to say, I don't want to be a part of those things, but that actually Jesus Christ is the keystone. Jesus Christ is the one who changes everything. Everything flows out of that. And when you love Jesus, and when you love Jesus, he commands you, doesn't suggest it, he commands you to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything changes. And the third thing is, do you want to be a part of this goofy church? Do you want to be part of this mission? Do you want to be a part of potlucks? Do you want to be a part of recognizing that Jesus doesn't just call us to be loved. He calls us to be the people who love others. That's not that's not like a maybe. That's a commandment of what Jesus calls us into. And so we're going to have in a few minutes, a lot of people come up here, and I know that some people may not have gotten like heard earlier, but we're going to have everybody come up who wants to be baptized for the first time, who wants to rededicate their life to Jesus Christ who want to say you know what I am part of a church over here and I've decided I am rooted here and this is where I'm going to do my work and this is going to be my launch pad for my ministry and I'm going to have some fun and I want to keep the essentials the essentials with you guys and we're going to love people and walk alongside them and then um, and then we're going to after we do that we're going to have them come and we're going to sing together and then we're going to celebrate through a giving back and we're going to go out there and we're going to baptize those people who are being baptized for the first time today okay Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this world. We thank you so much for the love that you have placed in our hearts and our minds and our souls. And because of the love that we know that you have for us, we have this transformation in our hearts where we can love others, that we have this freedom to love others. And so, God, we pray that this, this, this day would just be recognized as such a special thing that you're doing in, our, in the life of our community. We, we apologize, God, for those times when we have started to ask and, and become known for those, those things that are not essential and forgotten that so many people in this world don't have the ticket. They don't know that you are the way. So God, we praise you that today we have this opportunity uh, that to hear a sermon, not just preached from me, but from all of these people who've come up and are recognizing that you've done something in their life, and they want to be a witness to that. They want to proclaim that they are identified with you. And we praise you for those who, those who will be uh, receiving the official certificate of adoption through baptism. That they will, they will receive what you've always had waiting for them. Like a groom on one knee proposing and saying, will you, will you, will you? Finally, these people are saying, yes. And so we praise you for what you're doing, God, this love that you've given us and for what you will do in the coming weeks and months and years as these people find their roots in you and discover that you are this one who just loves them more profoundly, more deeply than they could ever imagine. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.